continuing with our series on prayer, and um, uh, when I preached a couple of, about three Sundays ago, we started on a series looking at praying for the different, uh, praying for the different domains in society. And if, I don't know how many of you were here or weren't here, but um, we looked at why do we need to pray? Um, some people think if God is sovereign, then why do I actually need to pray? And we looked at how it's a valid question, but God delegated authority to us. And in his delegation of authority, he's not going to usurp that delegated authority, but he requires us to come and ask him to intervene in matters on the earth because he's given it to us to steward. Amen. And I encourage you to go look at that podcast if you weren't here and catch up. We looked at praying for marriage and family because that is a, that is a domain. And the whole purpose of splitting up um, topics of prayer into domains is that, you know, um, often in prayer meetings in church, we pray for the same things in the same way, don't we? And how many of you get frustrated in prayer meetings? You know, it's like, okay, well, you're always praying for that, but I've also got things on my heart that I want to pray for, and we never seem to go there. Or you go to a prayer meeting, and they're praying for this grandma and her sore toe and this other auntie and her sick dog, and, and then you're listening to the news, and you're like, well, they're real issues that we need to pray into. Amen? And um, the, the important thing is that in all of this is to remember that God cannot be confined by the four walls of the church and sometimes we like to say welcome to church this is the home of God this is the house of God well biblically that's incorrect that is not correct God this is not God's home this is not God's house I am the Bible says that I am a dwelling place I am God's house you are God's house so the church is not the four walls of this these four walls or wherever we meet we are the church when we gather together as a family we are God's church the that is God's church. That is where his presence is. And so when we look at society, we can't just pray for the church and the business of the church. We have to pray for the nation and every aspect of the nation. So we have to know how do we pray for marriage and family? How do we pray for agriculture and land reform? How do we pray for government? What is God's picture of a God of a biblical government? You know, how do we pray for that? How do I pray for the education system in the nation? What is God's idea about that? And and the thing is that when we find out what God's word says or what his pattern is or God's heart is around something and we're praying his desire around a domain, of course he's going to say yes. When we pray and we say, Lord, please do this, please do this in accordance with your pattern, in accordance with your will, of course the answer is going to be yes. And of course we're going to get a, an answer to our prayer because it's his will. Amen. Now, I don't want to pray and be praying stuff and I'm wondering, is this really God's will? Is this really what God wants? I don't really know if God's going to answer this prayer. That to me is a waste of my time and I've got lots of things that I can do with my time. But if I'm going to pray and I know that it's God's will, then I know that it's time invested in something that's going to yield results. And so today we're going to continue looking at the various domains. We looked at, uh, at family, we looked at marriage last time, and today I'm wanting to look at church, church and spiritual family. What is God's heart around church and spiritual family, and how can we pray for it? How can we pray for it? It's important to pray for church, you know? Um, and it's not only the pastors that must pray for church, it's all of us. We are the church. When we pray for the church, we're praying for ourselves. And, um, yeah, for me, it's really exciting to be preaching and sharing this message 
on the same Sunday as we're having the first trial service in Joburg. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, I mean, we couldn't have, we couldn't have fabricated that. That's such a God thing. So, so big shout out to the Joburg guys meeting. Um, this, this message, I think, is for you guys. <laughs> okay? Church plants are so exciting because it's like anything can happen. You can shape it the way you want to. And um, yeah, so, so, so I love church plants. But church, what is church all about? And I don't know if any of you are like me, but, but I've, I've been exposed to some churches where I've, and, and I've led in some churches, and I've, I've walked closely with authority in some churches, and I've been left with a feeling of disillusionment almost with the local church. Like, really, God, is this, is this your plan? You know, feeling frustrated, feeling maybe I don't really want to be that involved in the local church. Feeling hurt by leadership. Come on, how many of you have been hurt in the local church? How many of you have been hurt by leaders? How many of you have been hurt by people in the church? You know, there's nobody here. So I'm the only one who's been hurt. <laughs> one other person. Okay. Not here. People, it hasn't happened here. Fabulous. They've left. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. But... But we see it in the pattern of people today. People don't, don't like to commit to a church. People don't understand the purpose of church. Is it just a religious activity? Is church just there on Sunday so I can put a tick, like tick that box? I went to church. I was a good Christian. Well, I hope not because if that is all a good, being a good Christian is about, then it's a religious game, isn't it? Okay. So what is church all about and how can we pray in accordance with God's plan for church? You know, as I've, as I've come through various seasons and I've thought about myself and how I relate to church, I can, I can understand how someone like Mahatma Gandhi would say, um, they're Christ I like. They're Christian I do not like. They're Christ I like. They're Christian I do not like. I understand how someone can say that. Christian means little Christ. And very often we're not a good reflection of the God that we meant to reflect. But you know what? Church was God's idea and church is very close to God's heart. And church is God's answer for the world. So God's answer for a lot of the problems in the world today is church. Now if you and I think about that, it might blow our mind like, mind, like Lord, how can church be the answer, but it is. And God loves his church. And God is passionate about his church. And God wants to bring his ch church to a place of being without spots and without blemish. And he wants to present it to himself. That's his bride. He loves his church. Come on, how many of you are married? And you saw your, your bride. Now, I, I'm married, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm the wife. Okay, so it doesn't apply to me. But how many of you men, when you, when you saw your bride coming towards you, I mean, what were your emotions? Wow, she's beautiful. Wow. And if someone said or did anything to disfigure her or said something against her, what emotion would rise up? You would, you would want to punch his lights out or her lights out. You would, you would be protective over her. She's your pride. She's precious. You know, and, and there's a love that covers a multitude of sins. And that's when, when, G, when God looks at us. That's how he sees us. He sees us through the blood of Jesus. That's how he feels. He's passionate about his church. And so we need to rise up as people and as a prophetic church and say, you know what, Lord, I want to see your church the way that you do. And I want to carry your heart for your church and where there are gaps. I don't want to be the one to criticize and to throw mud at the church, but I want to be the one who stands in the gap and covers over and is part of the solution for the issues that we see. Amen.
Because how many of you know that the church has issues? The church is not perfect right now. We are a work in progress and we need to pray, okay? But in order to pray, in order to be part of the solution of God's process, we have to know what his pattern is. Now, in John 17, Jesus prays and and it's a beautiful prayer. It's his last prayer. So it's really important because it's the last thing he says before he, um, you know, gives his life for us. And one of the things he says, now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those, those whom you've given me, that they may be one as we are. That is so powerful, that they may be one as we are. So the church is meant to be one as the Godhead is one. Isn't that powerful? Now, if you look at the church, do you see that we are one? Even at one church, are we one? No, there's still division. This one's, this one, this group is the, the sort of black skin, white skin in between. This one has got these cultural preferences, that cultural preference. In one church, we're so divided, the old, the young, okay? There's so much division, but Jesus prayed that we would be one, and not only one in one church, but one, the global church. One, isn't that powerful? That's a lot of prayer right there. Amen. One, unity, racial unity is meant to be seen in the church. Okay. Romans 8 verse 15 to 17. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness that with, with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So we, you and I, if you are a believer, Bible-believing Christian who's accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we are children of God, all of us. That means we're brothers and sisters, amen? And we joint heirs of Christ. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. That's who we are. And the whole point... The whole, another point of praying for the domains and separating them out in the domains is that in each domain, there's an aspect of who God is that is reflected in, in each domain. So in the domain of church, we see certain aspects of God that is reflected in that domain. So we looked at marriage and family and aspects of God that, that should be reflected there. Now today, if we look at this, one of the aspects of God that should be reflected in the domain of church is Abba Father. Abba Father. He is our Father. Now if I look at that word, Abba Father, it means generator, male ancestor. It means founder of a family or a tribe, a progenitor of a people. It means originator, transmitter of anything, author of a family, of a society, of a person animated by the same spirit as himself. Okay. Um. So God is our father and we need to see that in the church. If God is our father, he is our boss. Now in the church we have, in the current church and in society today, we have this kind of idea about Christianity that, 
um, when, we, when we want to become a Christian, we come to the front, we come to the altar, we say a prayer, Jesus be my Lord and Savior, and we walk away, and that makes us a Christian, we walk away, and that's our life. We can still do whatever we want because we prayed the sinner's prayer, we've got our fire insurance, and everything is a-okay, we don't have to belong to a local church, we can treat churches like fast food restaurants, pop here, pop there, have something that tickles our ears and that's okay but that is not God's plan when when he when when he when we when Jesus prayed taught his disciples to pray and he said pray our father 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 God is a father that means he is the head of this family he is the head of this church and when I pray the sinner's prayer and I say Jesus you are my Lord and my Savior that means that there's lordship involved that means that he is the boss of my life. Father, when I pray, Father, you see, I think this needs to be restored to our churches. We don't understand that God is actually the boss. That when I pray the sinner's prayer and I say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, I mean be my Lord and my Savior. I don't just mean be my Savior and let me do whatever I want. See, if we to live as God is our Father, we treat Him with the respect that a father is due. Father, Abba, Father, Sir. Your word says this, Abba, Father, Sir, I will obey. I will obey. Your word says, do not do this, do not do this, do this, seek me. Do. And yes, there's grace for all of that, but I treat Him with the respect. And I think that needs to be restored to the church. Amen. There's no amens there. Amen. <laughs> okay, I'm going to read to you from Malachi 1 verse 6 to 14. These are things that I feel God has laid on my heart. I've got so many notes, by the way. My notes for today, there's lots of stuff and I'm not going to cover it today. So I encourage you to go to the website, get the notes and read through them. I just wanted to share what I feel is on God's heart specifically for us and for us to pray into. If you look at Malachi 1 verse 6 to 14, a really powerful portion of scripture. It said, isn't it true that a son honors his father and a worker his master? So if I am your father, where's the honor? If I'm your master, where's the respect? God of the angel armies is calling you out. You despise me. You say not so. How do we despise you? By your shoddy, sloppy, defiling worship. You ask, what do you mean defiling? What's that about? When you say the altar of God is not important anymore, worship of God is no longer a priority, that's defiling. Okay? By the altar of God, I'm not just talking about coming here physically on a Sunday. I'm talking about in our own lives. Because worship is about what we bring before God with our, all our lives, with all our beings. I've taught you before about worship is what we bring and what we give God. It's not just about what we sing. So this is talking about that when you bring sloppy things before God, when we don't bring our best before Him, when we don't offer all of our lives, where we say, Lord, you can have this portion of my life, but you can't have the rest. And we see it in the church. I mean, we see it in our own lives. Lord, you know, I mean, this guy, when we were at the prayer conference, this guy said the Lord challenged him on this. He said, if you want to go to your next level of prayer, don't build your prayer life. Don't build um, me and your prayer life around your life. Build your life around me. Build your life around me. See, we've got to have that mindset, that shift. No, Lord, my time, my time, this is me, this is mine. You can just have that. That's, bringing, that's not bringing all of ourselves before God. And it continues. When you offer worthless things for sacrifice and worship, 
Isn't that defiling? Try a trick like that with your banker or senator. How far do you think it will get you? Get on your knees and pray I'll be gracious to you. And it continues. And he's saying, when you offer something to me that's broken down, when you pay lip service. In other words, when we pray, or, and we're all guilty of this, when we come to church and we nod our heads, amen, amen, we have no clue what she's just said. <laughs> we're thinking about lunch, we're thinking about something else. Or we come and we sing the words, we're reading them off the screen, we're singing along, yes, I offer myself, I surrender, but our mind is completely something, somewhere else. No one else knows, but God knows. You see, and he's saying, come on, guys. Get with the program. Mean what you say. Say what you mean. Bring all of yourselves. Abba, sir, we come to him on his terms, not our terms. In church, we often come with our conditions attached. That's not what Jesus modeled. He's our chief. And so we need a restoration of that in the local church. And I think once that comes into, into alignment, a lot of other stuff will flow. Amen. Okay, so God is Father, and that is meant to be... Um, reflected through the local church and his father so and we to give him the respect that that is that he, that is due him but he's also a loving merciful father who accepts us as we are and won't leave us as we are but will help us to grow and to change and he's a loving father who knew that we were going to fall in the garden um, of eden and he made a way by giving of his, himself to bring him back to himself in relationship. And that's the next aspect of church. That Jesus is our great high priest. That Jesus is our great high priest. That God who is holy made provision for us to walk in eternal relationship with him in spite of our sin through Jesus our Lord. And he extends a mercy and forgiveness to all who receive and acknowledge this personally. God is our Father who has adopted us as his sons in Christ. Now, I don't know how many of you have kids, but I have kids, and I've, and I, and I've, and I've said this before, and I think I heard Danny Silk once say it, that if I was to put my kids in a garden and say to them, listen, guys, don't touch that tree, I wouldn't put the tree in the garden. I would put the tree at the top of Mount Everest, okay? And I've got boys, so I know, okay? <laughs> if there's a tree that I didn't want them to touch, I wouldn't put it in the garden. I would put it far away, okay? But God in his wisdom put that tree right slap bang in the middle of the garden knowing full well what was going to happen. And, um, and, and he had to do that because love requires choice. So he had to give us that choice. But when we were away at this prayer conference, conference, Dr. McPherson said something so powerful about God um, that's relevant here. He was just saying that God's desire has always been to have us have direct access to the throne, to have us in the throne room with him. But he knew what we were going to do, so he made provision for it before he'd even created us. He gave the first, he gave us garden access only when he created man. Because if he'd given him throne access and he'd fallen, man had fallen, then he would have been like Lucifer and he wouldn't have been able to redeem him back to the throne room. But he gave him our garden access because he already knew man was going to fall and he was going to have to give his own life so that man, he could restore man. But when he restored man, he's going to restore him to throne access because he loves him. He wants to have children and he wants to be in divine relationship. Isn't that amazing? So God always desired for us to have throne access. He always desired to have children. Um, 
Daniel 9 verse 9 says, To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them he became the, gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So God desires that we know him as Father, Sir, but also that we know him as Father, loving Father, who loves us and accepts us and makes a way for us and makes provision for us even before we've fallen to bring us back into relationship. And I love when Jesus cleanses the temple and he says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves, my, den of thieves, my house will be called a house of prayer. That word house there is oikos, and it means a dwelling. It doesn't mean four walls. It means a dwelling. It means a home. It means a family. Okay? So Jesus is saying, my house, the church, will be a house of prayer. It will be a family of prayer, a family of relationships, and that's where I will dwell. So his house is the go groups. His house is where we meet together. His house is where we fellowship in his name. Amen. Because church is meant to be a family where we love each other. It's a house of prayer, but it's a family, and he's our father. Amen. Okay. So what is the purpose of the church domain? The purpose of the church domain is to make disciples of every tribe, tongue, and nation. To provide for the discipleship that includes salvation, deliverance, healing, growth, and maturity of all believers in the whole nature and character of God and His Word, including as it applies to the walk and work of faith. And the church is to facilitate the expression of that faith in worship and in the sacraments of the church, to provide for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry to which they have been called, to facilitate the extension of the kingdom of God in all areas of life, in every domain, in every domain. But we are a family that has been charged with this purpose. Amen. Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20, Jesus came and says to his disciples, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we to make disciples, so we to be disciples and make disciples, and that's the purpose of this family. We are a family. Say, we are a family. We are a family with one father. Amen. Okay, Martin Luther King Jr. said, there was a time when the church was very powerful. It was during that period that the early Christians rejoiced when they were deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was the thermostat that transformed the mores of society. You see, when we are one, that one that Jesus was talking about, when we are one voice, when we have one heart, one mind, we unified and we discipled, we know what the Bible says about the various domains, then we will be powerful. Then when people hear on radio, this pastor and, then, and this evangelist and this person speaking, we're speaking with one voice, with one heart, with one mind. It's powerful. Amen. Not this pastor has this opinion, this pastor says this, this pastor has this opinion, and we look divided and we're weak. But we won, and, we, and we were, we, we, we're not a thermometer, we were, we were a thermostat, and we transformed the, 
transform society. Gareth Lowe, a good friend of ours, said the church in Africa is good at prayer, good at evangelism, good at signs and wonders, the foundation for revival, but weak in discipleship, weak in leadership, and weak in a biblical worldview, the foundation for reformation. We need both. We need the fire of revival and we need the light of reformation. We've got to know what the Word of God says about governing, about government. We've got to know what the Word of God says about all these different aspects of society. And we've got to know what the purpose of the church is. And we've got to raise up disciples who have an understanding of these things so that we can transform society. We don't just have the fire of the Holy Spirit in the four walls on a Sunday. Amen. Okay. So with the few few more minutes that I'm going to take, I'm wanting to look at the early church in Acts and say, well, this is what the early church looked like, and this is what we meant to look like, and this, these are some of the things that we can pray into. Okay, so number one, the church in the book of Acts was sensitive to what outsiders thought and openly addressed issues. We see this in Acts 2 verse 13 to 15. Some of them made fun, some, some people made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. And Peter stood up and addressed, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. He said, fellow Jews, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's nine in the morning. And he goes on to explain that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So they, he addressed the issues at hand. So we need a church with a voice that will address the issues at hand and also address the issues of what is the world saying about the church? How are we seen and what do we need to tell them? You see, Peter addressed his crowd and each of us has a crowd that we need to address. My question to you this morning is, are you addressing the crowd that God has set before you? Are you addressing them with what he would have you say or are you silent? And do you know how to address them? Do you know what to say? Okay. Number two, the church was respected and experienced favor and growth in the city. We see this in Acts 2 verse 42 to 47. I think we need to come to a time, come to a place where peop people in the church rise up and know what to say and address key issues and have something wise to say. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of listening to men and women of God on the radio speak about current affairs issues and feel like, ooh, and then I'm embarrassed to be a Christian and I change the radio channel, <laughs> okay? Come on, guys. We need to pray that God raises up Daniels and Josephs and, and Joshuas and people who, will, who, are, who are born for such a time as this and have a, have a message and have a voice and, and will be proud to be Christians and proud to be part of the church. Number three, the church accepted and restored the rejected. You know, we've got to know how to deal with people who come in with issues. What if a prostitute comes and will you all make space around her because of how she dressed? Well, those are her only clothes. Do we know how to handle that? What happens if someone who's got, comes in who's got sexual orientation challenges? Okay, how do we deal with that? Do we love and accept them or do we act weird around it? We've got to carry the heart of God. The church was Christ-like in the, in, in the book of Acts, Acts 4 verse 13. They were Christ-like. We've got to pray that Christ is formed in us in the church. That when people like Gandhi look at us, they don't say, they're Christ, I like. They're Christians, I have no time for. Amen. We need to become like Christ. What were some of Jesus' characteristics? He described himself as gentle and humble. Yet the people were amazed because he spoke as one with authority. He received little children and, and ministered to them. And he had time for them. 
but he also challenged the religious um, status quo of the time. I mean, he spoke to the guy, the, the, those, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he said, you brood of vipers. So he wasn't afraid to be direct. He wasn't like this meek and mild lamb. He could also challenge. So, so we need to be more like Jesus. The church demonstrated the supernatural in Acts um, 4 verse 16. It says, what are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed notable signs and we cannot deny it. We need to have the power seen in our churches today. God is still doing miracles. And miracles are not supposed to just happen on a Sunday when we have a high holy man from the north who comes and faith is high and now we see healings. No, but we're all meant to walk in that power. That is the purpose of the leadership of the local church, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Amen. So we see it out in the streets. The church impacted the region around the city. The church was loved by some and hated by others. I encourage you to go and read all of this in the notes. The church relentlessly filled the city with their teaching. How did they do that? It wasn't just one person preaching on a Sunday. People imbibed it and they in turn shared what they'd been taught. Amen. The church was full of joy and brought that to others. The church had, the church had entrepreneurs that were involved in helping the poor in the city. The church was for the nation and for the city. We'll have churches that preach messages for the city and for the nation, not just those that preach against things. Okay, the church addressed idolatry in the city, etc., etc. The church leaders connected with provincial leaders. Come on, peeps, we've got to have people who, who are able to connect with, with, with people of influence on platforms and have something to say. Amen. Are you with me? Okay, I'm going through this quickly because you're going to look at the notes, aren't you? Because I want to have time to pray for the church. The church gave God all the glory. Okay? So I'm, I'm wanting to, um, I want to spend some time praying for the church. So it's important. Go and look at the notes. Have a look at all the scripture references. Have a look at what's in there. But it's important that we remember that church is a family. That it's not the four walls here. But we are the church. And when we gather together, that is the church. And we meant to carry God's presence wherever we go in life, in all areas. And we need to be discipled and we need to carry that to others. Jesus said, go and make disciples. All of us need to be making disciples. Come on, it doesn't matter how much of a baby Christian you are. You know something that someone else doesn't know. You can be encouraging other people. And we need to be being discipled and growing and being taught by others. Amen. Okay? We need to be a unified church because when we're unified, people will look and say, wow, that's what, that's what, that's what it's, we meant, that's, what, that's what's beautiful. That's what unity is all about. Racial reconciliation, we see it in the church, wow, okay? And so on and so forth. Can you write, stand on your feet, we're going to spend some time praying for God's church because we want to be a church that's filled with power. We want to be a relevant church. We want to be a church that people can come to and get wise counsel, people in leadership positions. We want to be a generous people that make an impact in the poor. We want to be, yeah, want to be a God type of church that is submitted to his lordship. So I'm wanting all of us to just begin to pray concerning that. There are a lot of prayer points at the end of my message which, can, which you can use for your personal prayer time. And I know Pastor Vim will do a prayer strategy which will be available. But come on, let's just begin to pray. Let's begin to pray for the church. Let's begin to pray. If you can pray in tongues, I encourage you to pray in other tongues. If you can't pray in your language that you feel comfortable praying in, come on, let's pray. This is a prayer series. It's not only a teaching series. We've got to pray. We can't, we can't teach and not pray. 
Father God, we come before you as your church this morning and there's so much that we can glean from your word around the church, Lord God. But we come before you as your church, as as a part of your church. And and Lord, we, we, we cry out to you for mercy this morning. For mercy, Lord, where we've been prayerless. For mercy, Lord God, where we haven't risen up and sought after and desired to be everything that you've intended for us to be. And, and Lord God, we, we thank you for your mercy for us. Lord Jesus, we come boldly this morning before your throne of grace to find mercy and grace in time of need. We thank you that you are our great high priest and that you made a way for us this morning. All of us, each one who's called upon your name, you've made a way for us. You've made a way for us to come into that throne room and so we do right now. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you that you are our Father that you are our Abba Father. And Father, this morning we acknowledge you as Abba Father, Sir. We acknowledge you as our Sir this morning, as our boss, as our Lord. And Lord, we turn away from childish ways where we've confined you to only portions of our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would have mercy on us for this. You would have mercy, Lord, and we ask that you would have all of us. You can have every part of our lives. Lord, we don't want to bring before you worthless offerings and worthless worship in the form of our lives, but we want to bring all of us before you, Lord, because you are a good Father, and you created us, and you know the first from the last. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You know what you made us for. And so, Lord God, we want to submit to your Lordship this morning as your church. Submit to you as our Father as the one who's in charge. We acknowledge this morning your Lordship, your Lordship. You are Lord and we declare that again. And we pray for your church this morning that there would be a move, Father, where we we would acknowledge you as Lord and not only as Savior. We would acknowledge you as Father and as boss and we would submit to your Lordship. We pray that you would give us a revelation around this, Lord God. And we ask that you would give us a revelation of what it means to be adopted as sons. We are adopted as sons and daughters of the living God. And what that looks like. We are joint heirs with Christ. And what that means, Lord God. That we are brothers and sisters and you desire for us to walk in unity. And when one hurts, it hurts the whole body, Lord. We pray for a restoration of unity even in this church, Father. We ask for there to be a greater unity amongst us. And Lord, we cry out this morning for your church, your global church, the church in the world. And Father, we ask that you would bring, and we pray like Jesus, that you would bring about a unity, that we would be one even as you are one, Lord God. You are our Father, one Father. Father, we pray that there would be mercy and grace extended amongst different churches with different Lord God, that we would remember to keep the main thing, the main thing. That you are Lord. That Jesus, you, you, made, you are our great high priest and you made a way for us. Oh, yes, Lord God, we pray for your fire in your church. 
We pray for a restoration of your fire in your church, a restoration of signs and wonders in your church, Lord God, a restoration of power to your people, Lord God, that we wouldn't wait for some high and holy man from the north to come and do miracles, but Father, we would walk in your power. Lord God, we would walk in your love. We would walk in your grace. We would walk as true um, ambassadors of who you are, Lord Jesus. Oh, yes, Father, we pray you would take your church to another level. Another level, Lord God. We lift up your church. We pray you would teach us how to pray effectively for your church, which is your bride, which you are passionate about. Restore to our hearts a passion for the things that you're passionate about, Lord God. We pray that the church would be unified, that it would be a prayerful church, Lord God, that it would be a faithful church, that it would be a spirit-filled church. That it will be a church filled with love, Lord. It will be a church for the nation. It will be a church for the city, Lord. It will be a powerful, discipled, growing church that disciples others, Lord. A church that is wise. A church that is educated. A church that has an answer. A church with a voice, Lord, into the nation and into current affairs. We pray that you would raise up a church where the name of Jesus is held in honor. A mission-minded church, a church that teaches your word and that the word spreads widely. Lord God, we also pray that you would make us to be a church that accepts and restores the rejected. Come on, people, we've got a few more minutes we can pray. Jesus said, couldn't you even tarry with me for one hour? We're praying for the church, which is God's passion. God loves his church. He gave his life for his church. Father, we pray for ourselves as your church that we would become Christ-like, that we would truly become little Christs, Lord, that people would see your love, they would see your fire in us, Lord God, they would see your nature in us, Lord. We pray that you would make us to be a church that demonstrates the supernatural, a church that brings joy, a generous church, Lord. Oh, Father, have mercy on us where we've been stingy, where we've held things back, Lord. Yes, our finances, yes, our time, yes, our talents, yes, our treasures, our hearts, Lord. We've held them. We've tried to protect these things. Have mercy on us in the process. We've grown, allowed our hearts to grow cold. Fill us with love and help us to be a generous people, Lord. An apostolic and prophetic church, a church of divine order, a church with a biblical worldview, an influential church. Oh yes, Lord God, would you do it? And Father, to this morning we ask that you would restore that concept, that idea that we are a family, that we are brothers and sisters, Lord God. Even if we don't like him, even if I don't like my brother, I'm still a sister to him. And I still have to love him, Lord. I still have to walk in love. Would you restore that? Would you restore love in this church, Father? Would you help us to love and care for each other? Because that's the bridge for the supernatural. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just take a minute. I want you to pray for them. If you want to ask them what they need prayer for, you can ask them. But otherwise, just take a minute and pray. You can pray scriptures, you can pray general prayers, but just find someone. There's someone in the front here who doesn't have anyone to pray for. Anyone else? There we go. Just pray for each other. Ask, do you have any needs? Can I, can I pray with you concerning something? 
Okay, so as we go today, um, I'd like to share, I'm going to share uh, a story with you. But before I do, I just want to remind you just a few. My husband wants us, me just to, a few of those points that I prayed just things to pray for for the church. We can pray that the church is Christ-like, that the church demonstrates the supernatural, that she's grounded in the Word, that she knows her Father, amen, that she's a relevant church with a biblical worldview. These are in the notes. Just church that is Christ-like, a church that demonstrates the supernatural, church that knows her father a church with a biblical worldview okay so there are just a few a few points for you to go with and i'm wanting to just um share a, a story with you an account of a nun um you had a revelation of abba father and i want to challenge us as we go today just to go with this and apply it in our lives and do it um it's abba it's it's brennan manning um, who's writing this. I think I might have shared this, but it's really worth hearing again if you have. He says, I will never forget a retreat experience. It, uh, it was a large gathering, about 7,000 people. And, um, you know, to summarize some of the things he says, he ministered into the early hours of the morning and he was going to bed. Um, and at about 3 o'clock in the morning, this nun comes and knocks at his door, a 78-year-old nun, and she began to cry. And he said, Sister, what can I do for you? And she began to explain that as she was growing up, her father, from when she was very young, her father would come and do inappropriate things, basically molest her. And by the time she was nine, her father took her virginity. And um, she, she, she's 78 years old. And she said she'd lived with this shame for all of her life and um, struggled with it. And he says, in the next few minutes, I prayed with her for healing. Then I asked her if she would find a quiet place every morning for the next 30 days and sit down in a chair, close her eyes, upturn, upturn her palms, and pray this one phrase over and over, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. It's a prayer of exactly seven syllables, the number that responds to the rhythm of our breathing. Abba, I belong to you she agreed to do so. One of the most moving and poetic follow-up letters I've ever received came from this sister, and in it she described the inner healing of her heart, a complete forgiveness of her father, and an inner peace she'd never known in her 78 years. She concluded her letter with these words, a year ago I would have signed this letter with my real name in religious life, Sister Mary Guinevere, but from now on I'm daddy's little girl. The greatest gift I've ever received in my life in Jesus is the Abba experience. I can only stutter and stammer about the life-changing power of the Abba encounter. My name is Brendan Manning and I'm daddy's little boy. I want to encourage us as we go from here and as we pray for the church to just take some time for the next week or so and pray that to ourselves and meditate on that. Abba, I belong to you. Amen. Can we do that?